What is up? Welcome back. Football Life presents the Audible Tuesday, man. Edition on this December 28th, week 16 in the NFL in the books. And this is episode 86 for us. I'm your host, Randy Hammond, alongside my co-host, Matt Bushnell. Matt, 86, uh, special number for the Bears. I know it was 85, the 85 Bears, but then 86, big, big uh, hero in Bears land, right? Yes, the coach, Mike Ditka. Yeah, the famous mustachio one, SNL. Um, you know, rightfully so, leading into the big game this week, the New York Giants versus the Bears. Not too long ago, SNL, back in the late 80s, early 90s, had a skit. And I'm just going to remind everyone of it. So here we go, Randy. Who would win? The New York Giants or 11 mini Dickas? Dickas 89, Giants negative three. <laughs> I feel like I, I should know that reference more than I do, but I, I have a vague recollection. But yeah, yeah. it was uh, Chris Farley. Yeah. Um, guys, a, a lot of other guys I miss, but great, great skits. Wonderful. Um, my 86 isn't nearly as cool, but I think Heinz Ward. <laughs> <laughs> really good Steelers receiver for a long time. Um, and then uh, uh, Zach Ertz, the uh, former Eagle, yeah. uh, now Cardinals tight end. So good player now that we have there too. But week 16 in the books, uh, seemingly without a hitch, you know, no no real, you know, COVID concern seems like, the, no postponements or delays or anything like that. So a normal week for the most part. So we love to see that playoff matchups rounding into form. So let's, Get it going here, Matt, with our uh, primetime games. Monday Night Football last night. Miami Dolphins going into New Orleans and taking care of business against the Saints here. Um, This game, I guess, was pretty effective by COVID, I would say, with Jason Hill getting uh, ruled out with COVID and then uh, Trevor Simeon also. So former former Notre Dame quarterback Ian Book now uh, started this game. Didn't look too great. Uh, I would say the Dolphins' defense is a tough one to make your debut against, too, because they've been playing really well uh, as well. So um, the Saints are this Jekyll and Hyde team. Each and week, you never really know what you're going to get. They shut out Tom Brady and the Bucks last week. This week, they nearly get shut out to the Dolphins. They lose 20-3, to and now the Dolphins met after starting 1-7, and now 8-7, and and in that final AFC wildcard playoff spot, man, oh, man, Brian Flores has done a wonderful job down there in Miami, and Tua, for all the crap he got, Playing, playing pretty decent football. I have to give them credit for that. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm intrigued by the Dolphins. They sneak into the playoffs. They could be a tough out. And w- once we get into the other games this week, it could it could come down where the Dolphins conceivably knock the Patriots out of the playoffs. Mm. Um, you know, we're, we're getting close to that territory. We're looking at a couple of big games this past week that really kind of shaped this nightmare scenario of trying to predict who's going to get in, who's going to get out. And the Dolphins have helped out their cause big time with seven straight wins, as you alluded to, Randy. You have to be happy with Tua. Jalen Waddell has now set the single-season rookie record for receptions in a season with 102. That was his, I believe, his 10th straight game with eight-plus receptions, Mm -hmm. um, tying him with Jerry Rice for most all-time, I believe, if I had that stat correct. So... We're starting to see this Dolphins offense with two again more familiar. They have to get better on the offensive line. The Saints got way too much pressure on Tua. It's going to be a problem in the playoffs. 
But if you're a Dolphins fan, and you know, we have to shout out to our guy D. Will, um, who is a Dolphins fan, you, you have to be encouraged because they're taking the right steps. They have, I believe, one first rounder this year. I don't know how they went from having a bunch to one. Um, still kind of puzzling to me. I think when they traded up to six with the Eagles, yeah, yeah, it cost them some capital. But to me, I think when you look at the Dolphins landscape, they improved that offensive line a little bit. This offense paired with that defense, Dolphins are going to be a problem. And now I think we can officially take them out of the Deshaun Watson sweepstakes. You would think. <laughs> you would think. But there's still a section of uh, Dolphin Twitter there that still is like, oh, maybe two is not the guy. Like, I feel like now you kind of have to roll what you have uh, at this point. I don't know if you can really make a move for a guy like Deshaun Watson. So I don't know why you would. Uh, why would you sacrifice the draft capital – but by all accounts, Tua, I think, is starting to show you enough. You just have to be patient. With Watson, you're bringing in the cap hit, and, and then just the off-the-field issues. We know he's great, you know, but we still need to see what Tua could be. And I think I'd be patient enough with this offense. Maybe you get another weapon, a more reliable running back for him. Um, and, you know, we, we've seen the 49ers get them in, like, round 35. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Legless running backs. But to me, I, I think the Dolphins are a couple of pieces away from being a real major player in the AFC. Yeah, probably need some line help, as you mentioned. Um, I really like the Waddle fit on this offense. The yeah. defense is really, really good. And, yeah. and Brian Flores is, is one of the better coaches out there. And probably the, one of the most, if not the most successful, Belichick <laughs> disciple. Uh, yeah. Really, a lot of them have had um, – not a ton of success. I mean, I, I root for a team that currently is dealing with a guy who um, leads a lot to be desired. So Flores, despite starting one and seven, rallied the troops and was able to get his team back into playoff contention. So it'll be interesting to see what happens with the Dolphins. Um, but you have to feel good about them. At least if they obviously they don't go too far this year, but in the future, it seems like they have a core and a coach um, that's worth building around. So good for them on that. Um, all right. Monday Night Football, like the Saints. Hey, you had a good run. Hell of a season. If you are a Saints fan, you have nothing to be ashamed of. Obviously, in this post-Drew Brees world now, um, you're in quarterback purgatory in a little bit here, and you were able to have, you know, you're 7-8. and eight, You still got a chance to finish with, you know, better than 500 record if, if things broke well. But the Saints are a well-run organization, and Sean Payton is a good coach. So I don't expect them to be down for too long. Well, there's smoke that Sean Payton could possibly leave New Orleans after this year. I, I took a look at the contract, and I don't know how. But then I, I did some research, Randy, because I was just curious, because there's mm-hmm. talk that Sean Payton would be open to returning to Chicago because oh. he's, he's from Naperville, which is a suburb of Chicago. He went to Eastern Illinois University, and his favorite team growing up was the Chicago Bears. I believe he even played a spell as a replacement player for the Bears as well um, way back when. To me, I don't think it's a terrible fit. But now we're starting to talk about trading draft picks for a head coach, a la John Gruden and Bill Parcells. I believe even Bill Belichick may have been traded, or I'm not sure how that whole situation worked, worked out with the Jets. I guess if I'm the Bears and you believe in Justin Fields, I take him and I move forward. Like I, I would move the draft capital for Sean Payton. So I think the Saints are very much in that turmoil section of what do they do in the future? Because I don't think they have the quarterback on the roster. 
No, and obviously they had Jameis as the stopgap, uh, hoping they could find, you know, lightning in a bottle here. He gets hurt. Um, and then they're, they're infatuation with Taysom Hill, um, wherever Peyton might at, at land, land, if he does leave, uh, maybe Hill follows because I feel like Peyton is the leader of the charge there of the Taysom Hill bandwagon. So interesting. I, I guess uh, the, I, there's smoke, there's fire, but uh, I, I just feel like he's established so much there in New Orleans that I'd be surprised if he left. I know when Coughlin left the Giants, there was rumors about a, a reunion with Peyton because he was the OC of the Giants and was on coaching staffs previously, but that, that reunion never happened. So um, it'd be interesting. I think a Harbaugh reunion with the Bears is a little bit more likely, but um, then again, I'm not 100% sure on that. I guess if you're a Bears fan and you, and you want the most out of Justin Fields, Peyton would be a great option for you. I think, you know, you'd be thrilled to have a guy like that. But um, I, my guess is that he stays in New Orleans. Yeah, initially I would think that, but I, you know, we're talking Pete Carroll even. Like, I'm just interested to see. I do think mm-hmm. if Michigan wins the national title, I think Harbaugh leaves. I think if they don't, I think he stays. So I, I think Peyton will have no shortage of people checking in to see if he wants to stay in New Orleans or not. Mm-hmm. So it'll be an interesting situation to watch over. Definitely. We'll keep an eye on that. Um, all right. Sunday Night Football. It was a stinker in the NFC East. Uh, my my Taylor Heineke is a fun take. It's probably dead. Uh, yep. he, he had a fun stretch there for a little bit, but uh, my guy just, you know, he's going to be a good backup. He's going to be a guy that you're going to want to be uh, on a, as a backup for a while, but probably not a season-long starter. Um, that's okay. Um, but the Cowboys winning the NFC East in this game, 56-14 to 14 over the Washington football team. This was a beatdown. Man, this game was over in the first quarter. <laughs> Cowboys were up 21 nothing, and then they went into half up 42-7. to So, yeah, the Cowboys really handling their business here, and it even fe- featured a uh, an offensive lineman touchdown. Uh, I believe Dak threw one to an offensive lineman, and then um, a Demarcus uh, Lawrence pick six, which yeah. is a big man running down the field there for a pick six. You don't get to see that that often there. Um, and then a nice bounce back game for Dak. I thought 28 to 39, 330 yards, four touchdowns, no picks. Um, I don't think they ran the ball. Well, Zeke only had nine for 37 Pollard eight for 34. Um, I, I trust that aspect of Dallas's game probably more um, to me getting Dak right with Cooper and, and the rest of the, the gang, I thought was much more important because this is a passing league. You're going to go as far as your passing game takes you in the playoffs. And then the Cowboys defense um, is truly the t- most terrifying thing. Um, yeah. They had five sacks in this game and they have been dominant for it feels like two months now, and Micah Parsons leading the charge there. I mean, getting Lawrence back is huge, and no one talked about that. And then Granny Gregory, um, despite his off-the-field issues, is a very talented guy on that line. So the Cowboys' defense might be the best version that we've seen in a very long time and might be the best part of this whole team. I know we talk a lot about the offense, but the Cowboys' defense might be what gets them there uh, in the playoffs if they were to make a run. Uh, and for Washington, it feels like their season now coming to a close. Yeah, the dysfunction in Washington is what really kind of pops out at you here. Um, as much as I love Ron Rivera, I, I, I don't know what the disconnect here in Washington is because when you have Jonathan Allen throwing punches because Payne poked him in the face, yeah. with, with all due respect, if someone pokes me in the face uh, during a football game, I'm probably throwing a punch as well because you just don't do that shit. You, you, you don't do it. And seeing them come apart at the seams is, is really bad. Dallas took care of business how they needed to take care of business. They won the NFC East, which give myself a pat on the back. I predicted them to do you so. Call it. 
Yep. I mean, it's just, and I didn't see the defense, Randy. Honestly, I didn't see this defense going. I didn't know they'd have the best defense and the best offense in the NFC East. So kudos to the Cowboys. Dan Quinn has really done a really, really good job with Micah Parsons. And it's amazing how much he shifted that entire defense. Uh, listening to Dan Orblowski from ESPN really pointed out some pretty good stuff, what they do, what, what they like to do with Micah Parsons, especially as someone who doesn't get to watch the Cowboys often. You know, people always say, you know, well, why don't you get the cow? You, Cowboys are always on TV. And eh, not really down here because on the West Coast, as you know, we have West Coast football and Dallas always plays at that late slot, but so do the Arizona Cardinals. So I don't get to watch very many Dallas games. So I think what what I've seen from Dallas's and what Dan pointed out is that they move Parsons all over the place. And it's harder to provide protection when you don't know where a guy is going to be at. Like, do you chip on this side? Do you chip on that side? What if he's coming through the middle? And you have to give kudos to Michael Parsons too, to be able to play that style of football and then digs with his interceptions. I believe he's up to 11 now. Am I? Yep. So he has, yeah, he, he has a chance at breaking night train lanes record of 14, I believe back in the sixties, he needs three and two games. Can he do it? Yeah, maybe you yeah. never know. So uh, to, to me, this game was over pretty much after the first quarter, you could have turned it off, put the kids to bed and go turn on a movie. I mean, it, it just wasn't a fun game to watch. If you weren't a Dallas fan, it just, I think he's done. They don't have a quarterback. Their offense looks bad and their defense is just given up so i'll be interested to see the question i have for you randy and you know we, we can throw bouquets of flowers at dallas they're a great team i don't think there's a referendum on them but for washington are there big changes coming for that football team i don't think so because i think a lot of the washington people think that rivera is the, the right guy to coach um, and they have talent all over the place. Um, Chase Young getting hurt. Um, uh, Montez Sweat missing a lot of the season, whether it's uh, due to vaccination issues and uh, injuries himself. And then also uh, you lose Logan Thomas for a lot of the season. He's, he obviously hasn't played the last couple of weeks either. Um, I think a large part of Washington assumes if they could just get a quarterback, they would be a much better football team. And and I know I, I said Heineke is fun and I stand by that, but he's not, a, he's not a franchise quarterback. It's okay. It's, you know, the, sometimes you have these years where a backup quarterback steps in, wins you a few games, and then hopefully you get your starter back. And obviously this year they weren't getting Ryan Fitzpatrick back. And obviously Ryan Fitzpatrick isn't the future for Washington, but if you can land a starting quarterback, I know, Henry likes to connect the Giants with Jimmy G. Maybe they could bring in a Jimmy Garoppolo who could be their starting quarterback each week. Maybe they're, they're in the Russell Wilson sweepstakes, which I don't think he would agree to anyway, but maybe they're in on the Deshaun Watson stuff. I mean, there are going to be quarterbacks available. Maybe they make a push for Derek Carr. Who knows? Like There, there are going to be guys out there looking for opportunities to start, and I think Washington's going to be in on them because – I don't think the draft is strong at quarterback. No. Maybe they fall in love with a guy who could realistically fall to them because I don't imagine they're going to go high. Maybe it's Corral. Maybe it's Pickett. Who knows? But um, my best guess is that they're going to be in on one of these guys being moved in the offseason, and they'll be a bit much better team next year because of it. Yeah, I, I can see it, and I wouldn't be surprised. I, I personally think if it gets too bad, I could see Snyder firing um, Rivera just to get some of the heat up because now we have the emails and all this stuff out. So 
deflection. That's not Rivera's fault. <laughs> no, no, it's not. And it'd be unfair to fire him. But right. I think when you talk about a scumbag of the magnitude of Dan Snyder, True. I wouldn't put him, I wouldn't put anything past him. You know, he got lucky with Gruden getting fired and then Urban Myers fiasco in Jacksonville. So I, I hope Ron keeps his job, but I also hope he goes to a better and more stable situation. Me too. Me too. I, as you, as you know, I was all in on the Washington football team this year. I was going to make several bets on them <laughs> that I'm glad I didn't make because those obviously didn't work out. Um, but they're talented. They have a good roster. Um, I think I, I, I still believe in the, the head coach. So to me, if you can just get a quarterback, I think a lot of things could change for them in the near future. So, Great. all right. That's Sunday night football. Nice knowing you, Washington, Dallas. We'll see if you're back to your normal um, postseason woes here in the future. Um, now on to Christmas day now, Matt, and I got to say, I, I'm a big basketball on Christmas day guy. I love sitting yep. there watching the NBA, but having some football to watch too, not mad about it. <laughs> I, I was going to say, not mad. <laughs> no, <laughs> I mean, one, it was entertaining. Yeah. I, I enjoyed it. This is a good game too. I think both of them are actually pretty good games. Yeah. Um, despite me having green Bay seven and eight with seven and a half, but that's all right. <laughs> Um, but the Packers win this one at 24 to 22 over the Browns and, you know, Rogers, 24, 34, 200 yards, three touchdowns, two of them to Devonte Adams in the air who had 10 for 114. And when you and I talk about Cooper cup and we talk about Justin Jefferson, it is a crime. If we ever forget Devonte Adams among the top of the wide receiver rankings, he probably is one, um, with those two guys in their mix too, but he is amazing. And I don't know how much of that is Rogers, but still Rogers relies on him for him, for how well, how good Rogers is too so uh Devonte adams has been a stud um for a solid what, what, five years now it seems um one of the best out there no doubt about it and then uh look the, the packers had this game in the bag and i thought for sure i was going to cover um but the browns score some garbage time points to make it uh, interesting late and it comes down to baker mayfield throwing four gifts of interceptions to wow. the Packers. He was, you know, Baker Claus out there just handing him out. <laughs> um, I, I, I'm going to rail on this guy to the very end now because everyone blamed Odell for all of the Browns issues and Odell Beckham Jr. is out with the Rams. Obviously he's not the number one, but he's playing fine scoring touchdowns and, and the ball is finding him somehow. And the quarterback for the Browns was not capable of doing that. And he's not capable of getting his own guys the ball either. He was 21 to 36, 222 yards, two touchdowns, four picks, one of those touchdowns in garbage time. So um, this is a, a Baker Mayfield dialogue we can have here. Um, the Browns are seven and eight now. They, I guess in theory, still have a chance to make the playoffs, but that seems to be dwindling. So I don't know what they're going to do with Baker Mayfield. I don't know what to make of the Browns. And on the flip side, Green Bay, 12-3 and three now, still leading the NFC, and it looks like the playoffs are going through Lambeau. Yeah, it does seem like that. Um, you know, I think when you give Aaron Rodgers those extra possessions, usually it comes back and bites you in the ass pretty hard, pretty quick. Those three first-half interceptions all resulted in Packers touchdowns, which is pretty much the, bit, the football game at that point. What – I mean, there's just so many things wrong with Baker. I can't even, I don't even want to defend it. I think at this point, you, you know what you have to do at best. He's a high end game manager at worst. He's a turnover machine that costs you football games. Like we saw on Saturday to me, watching the game is just the Browns have no explosive plays. Jarvis Landry is a non-factor. The offense is just kind of, yeah. And I don't know if that's because of Baker or Stefanski. I don't think Stefanski really trusts Baker at all to throw the football. I think that's why we kind of see this 
staling down of an offense. I, I was excited for the tight ends. I thought this would be a much better football team. I predicted them to win the AFC North, and lo and behold, it looks like it's going to be the Cincinnati Bengals. But to me, there's not much to like about the Browns right now. Defensively, I think they're good with Miles Garrett. But at the end of the day, you have to score points to win. And when you have to rally in the fourth quarter to only lose by two, it's just not a good situation. So that quarterback class that, you know, we reference quite a bit with Baker, Sam Darnold, Josh Allen, um, uh, I'm forgetting, Lamar Jackson, you know. Josh What's that? Josh Rosen. Josh Rosen. Oh, yeah, that guy too. Chosen Rosen. Yeah, Chosen Rosen. Not looking very good outside of Josh Allen and Lamar Jackson. And Lamar Jackson's Mm -hmm. having his own issues right now, too. He has to figure out how to beat the cover zero blitz. So to me, you know, I think it's time. I I think they picked up his fifth-year option, which, yeah, I don't know. So now they're going to be looking into bringing in a quarterback for a quarterback competition. And I couldn't think of anyone better than the ginger-haired magician himself, the red rifle, Andy Dalton. He, he just I know Ohio had enough of Andy Dalton at this point. <laughs> no, no, they deserve some more. <laughs> they need some more Andy Dalton in their lives. So <laughs> either way, there's going to be quarterback competition for those um, vaunted Cleveland Browns. But Baker Mayfield, I could really say he's cost them this season. Yeah, he has. And my uh, my thing with the – I think the Browns are almost stuck with him, though, because they took him number one overall – I wouldn't say he's been a disaster. Uh, He's overall fine. He's not number one overall quarterback worthy, in my opinion, but he's been fine. Um, He's in every other commercial on TV when you watch a football game. I I don't remember a a player being not as good as Baker Mayfield being in so many commercials in my life. Um, So I kind of feel like they're stuck here a little bit with him. I feel like they want him to be their quarterback. It's one of these things where when it's your guy, it's your guy. And they made him their guy. They had all the pick of all the quarterbacks in that year, that year, and they chose Baker. They they could have they could have had Saquon Barkley, and that was the rumor. You know, they had they had number one and number four. I'm just saying they did. They had number one and number four, and they went Baker, and then the corner. So they obviously were in love with Baker. I know there's a different front office, but I still feel like they um, love Baker. So I kind of feel like they're going to stick with him here, and I don't necessarily think it's a smart decision, but. Hey, when you got a playmaker in Odell Beckham Jr. and you can't get him the ball every, and you have him, and now it's not just him, it's Kareem Hunt's family yelling at him and all this other stuff. Like, this is a real problem. And when <laughs> I know, like, I know Becker, uh, I know Odell can be a problem. I know this. I, I've rooted for him. He wants the ball. He's just like any other diva receiver that ever existed. But how can he go to the Rams, seemingly washed up, and all of a sudden, He's running great routes. He looks explosive. He's catching touchdowns. He looks like he's having fun again. That, to me, is an indictment on the quarterback because he was open all the time in Cleveland, and Baker could not get him the ball for whatever reason. Just couldn't do it. It doesn't make any sense. So I think Baker is the root of a lot of Cleveland's issues and ultimately why they're stuck here in this pit of mediocrity. And, hey, it's still an improvement, (laughs) comparatively speaking, to where Cleveland was before Baker. Um, But I guess if you're a Browns fan, you want to accept that, go ahead. But I feel like you had so much more potential than where you're at right now. 
Absolutely. But on the Packers side, Matt Bushnell, any concern about Aaron Rodgers? Because he's hobbling every time. He's, I feel like he's so close to getting hurt seriously on that, that toe. Um, I mean, he looks fine. He's throwing the ball well. But I don't know if his health or especially his toe in particular um, is going to end up being able to last through a, a potential playoff run. I mean, the Packers have some serious issues here. And, yeah. you know, I don't want to just ignore that. I, I think if they run into a team like Dallas – if they run into a team that's willing to put the football on the ground, I have to see Leonard Fournette's health, but the Packers are a flawed football team. They can't stop the run. And I think they rely on Aaron Rodgers to save them way too many times. And if he is hobbling around and he's not able to drive off that toe that, you know, that that's broken. I mean, honestly, at this point, I don't know what's more worth for the, what, what's a better option for the Packers getting the number one seed or getting Rodgers healthy. I would not be opposed to benching Rodgers these next two games. Let that toe heal up a little bit. And then you go into the playoffs and you, you do what you have to do in the playoffs. Because let's face it, if, if you get that by and Rodgers doesn't get a full two weeks or how many ever weeks he needs for it to heal, it's going to be a problem. And I think the Packers have the Lions left for one of their games. Yeah. So honestly, you could probably still get that first round by without – playing Rodgers one of those two games you are risking giving the one seed up to the Bucks. I mean all know how Rodgers does in Florida so you know maybe maybe you don't want to do that <laughs> I, but I, I mean the, the Bucks are too a flawed team though in their own right because yeah. Chris Godwin's done for the year now so yeah. we know that and like I said Leonard Fournette I don't know what his status is but missing Leonard Fournette not having Chris Godwin and then Mike Evans as a hamstring issue and is placed on the COVID list. I think there's a lot of things here in play for the Bucks that aren't exactly stable either. To me, the most important player in the NFC who's probably going to win the NFL MVP is Aaron Rodgers. And whether he's healthy or not is more important than where you play at this point. I would agree because without Aaron Rodgers, no matter where you're playing, you're not doing anything uh, with Jordan Love out there this year. So yeah. um, just questions I had about the Packers because uh, mm -hmm. I, I do think that, you know, uh, with Rodgers, they're capable of winning the whole thing. Obviously, he's come up short uh, a few times here, but I think this team in particular is good enough. But I do worry about his health uh, for the rest of the season. So. Yeah. And Corey Decker did confirm Lions and Vikings are left for the Packers. I know so, that the Bucks have the Panthers left. I'm not sure who they play other than that. So it, it's it's a garbage team. I think it's God. I'm not sure if it's the Falcons. I think they may have played the Falcons twice already. I think they played the Falcons twice already. So, um, yeah, we'll see what happens. I just I don't think the Packers are going to risk losing that one seed. I think that they know that Lambeau is a is a huge advantage. Which obviously we saw the Bucks going there and and, <laughs> and beat them, but still. Uh, a lot of warm weather teams in the, AF in the NFC playoff picture right now that don't want to go play uh, in Lambeau in January. So, yep. And then to my comment about uh, no, no worse player being in so many commercials as Baker, um, Henry pointed out that Matt Leiner was in a lot of commercials, <laughs> the former USC and Cardinals quarterback. So I guess that's fair. And, and Corey just really giving us a lot of good information here. Thank Bucks, you, Corey. Yes. Thank you. Bucks have Jets and Panthers left. Well, so. Yeah. <laughs> Both these teams probably might not lose again, right? No, no matter who they start at quarterback. Yeah, this is fair. And Blank, you know, you want to have Blaine Gabbert start some games and Jordan Love down the stretch? That would make our show a lot worse, I gotta say. Uh, hopefully, that doesn't happen. All right, 
that's the first game on Christmas Day. That was a good start to the day. Entertaining game. I love Lambo, the aesthetic of Lambo, Christmas Day, winter. Love that. Um, then you go to the dome in Arizona, <laughs> kind of Ooh. the opposite. Um, but boy, oh boy, the Cardinals were the last remaining undefeated team this season. And now uh they they are in, they clinched a playoff berth, but they are stumbling into the postseason. Now they lose to the Colts 22 to 16 back-to-back Saturday night victories for the Colts uh, after they beat the Patriots last. Last week um and i didn't get to watch a ton of this game but jonathan taylor did his thing again 27 for 108 um and then he also uh, he didn't have any catches either actually but um once didn't i mean pretty efficient for the most part 18 of 28 uh 225 two touchdowns and matt i guess i'll ask you because like i said i didn't get to watch a ton of this game by the end of the day i i, I kind of just was chilling out but what the hell is wrong with the cardinals and what's going on with kyler who um you know, I don't think Kyler played as bad as we make it, as it may appear um, aesthetically if you watched it. I mean, obviously, he's missing DeAndre Hopkins big time. I mean, A.J. Green's a nice player, but he's not, you know, a player you need. Zach Ertz has really helped uh, move the chains, but they they missed that explosive playmaker. Like, for this offense to really work, you got to have a guy that can stretch the field, and everything lines up. Um, with when DeAndre Hopkins was there. I do think Kyler Murray's beat up. I mean, it's kind of this Cardinals thing. And the thing that you worry about with small, smaller players in football is attrition. You know, it's a long season. And usually the bigger quarterbacks can take a little bit more punishment. Kyler runs a lot. He had four carries yesterday for 74 yards. Um, not sure. 57 yard or two. Yeah. Yeah. So he was able to rip off a pretty big run there. I'm trying to see if they give me the sacks. They don't give me the sacks. So I don't know how many times he was sacked. No, it wasn't sacked at all. Okay. So a pretty clean pocket. Uh, the Cardinals have to do a better job defensively of, of really fitting their run gaps. Jonathan Taylor had some big runs. I think his longest was something. Um, 43. 43 yards. And, you know, if, you, if you're not fitting those run gaps correctly, and you're not doing what you're supposed to do, sound fundamental football, it really hurts them. But I just go back to, you take a look at this team now, they were number the number one seed in the NFL three weeks ago. And you post that little bird thing of the bean, bird poop bean in Chicago, they've been 0-3 since. So sometimes it's just better to shut your mouth and just keep on trying to win football games because karma's a bitch. But, you know, Kokori has always said that the Cardinals always disappear in December. Um, it was funny because Ricky Velasquez in our group chat, you know, was saying the Patriots may not are not going to win a game in December. Book it. I think he meant the Arizona Cardinals <laughs> might not win a game in December because that's what we're looking at. I think um, it's getting pretty close to it. They may have won early. I think they may have played the Bears that first weekend. But, man. I just go back to it. I think DeAndre Hopkins is the most important piece to this football team offensively. And Cliff Kingsbury, you know, you have to be able to figure out a way. You have guys. I like Christian Kirk. I like Rondale Moore. Um, Chase Edmonds can do a lot of good things out of the backfield. Um, I'm not sure if – I think James Conner was out this game. So, that yeah, obviously, like that it. hurts. Yeah. yeah. So, at, at, at some point, you know, Cliff Kingsbury needs to be more of – a schemer than just relying, okay, I'm just going to put the guys out here. Sometimes you got to change things up, you know, move around your scheme, play more ball control, but you know, 
as far as the Colts go, Randy? I mean, I'm not that surprised because this football team was a good football team. I like their defense. I love their offensive line. And they got a hell of a running back in Jonathan Taylor that nobody saw doing it this year like this. Nope. So the, I, I think it's par for the course. I, I think the Colts are going to make the playoffs and Cardinals might be one and done as a wild card. They don't have Hopkins back. I'm starting to think that's going to be the case. But with Edmonds and Connor, I do like the threat that those two poise. And those might be the reason that they go far in the playoffs if they don't have Hopkins because that passing attack um, isn't the same. I would like to see them get Ertz uh, more involved here without Hopkins. Uh, he had 11, he had 13 targets, um, but he had eight for 64. So maybe he is getting the ball enough. I'm not really sure what the deal is there. I mean, maybe Rondo more involved more. I don't know if he played in this game or not. Um, but still, Kyler lost two fumbles in this game as well. Though that you know that's brutal in that situation. You can't you, you turn the ball over, you lose you lose the game by six, and it's the difference in the game. Yeah, it it, it makes a big difference, and ball security is huge. I, I I really hopefully the, they got Dallas next week, and that's going to be a physical matchup. And Corey Decker said they're going to beat Dallas. Book it. I hope so. Because that, that might be their first round playoff opponent. Yeah. You need to at least play well. You, you can't, you have to have a good showing because the confidence level is plummeting here for the Cardinals. Um, he gave some historical context about the Cardinals when they backed into the playoffs 2008. We all know <laughs> Carson Palmer. Uh, no, that, was, that wasn't even Carson Palmer. That was uh, Kurt Warner. Uh, that was a different Cardinals run, but and that team ended up making it the Super Bowl. So, hey, maybe losing now is good luck charm for Arizona. But Colts, steady. I think you and I talk about this every week, but they're a team like I don't trust the quarterback, but I trust the rest of their team. I think yeah. they have a really steady team and a really good roster. This is a team no one's going to want to play in the AFC. N- yeah. No one. They get healthy. They get that offensive line back. And keep in mind, I think they were missing three offensive linemen this game because Quentin Nelson was out this game as well. Well, Ryan so, Kelly's out too, obviously, with the issue with his kids still. Yep, and, and Ryan Kelly's back this week. So uh, if I am the AFC, I'm watching out for this Colts team. I, I'm going to try to do everything I possibly can to avoid playing them because in, on one given Sunday or Saturday when it comes to the playoffs – this is not a team that you are going to want to line up against and play football. I take a look at it like the 49ers, which we're going to talk about next, I'm sure. Mm-hmm. They have their own set of issues, but not a lot of teams in the NFC want to play the 49ers because of that run game and how physical that game's going to be. Mm-hmm. I, I feel the Colts are a better version of that. So I, I would not want to see this team come to playoffs. Speak of the devil, we have breaking news here on Football Life Presents the Audible. Carson Wentz placed on the COVID-19 list, famously known he is unvaccinated. So he's probably going to miss the next two weeks for the Colts. So, um, you know, I, you know, they're nine and six. So I wouldn't say they're in jeopardy of missing the playoffs, but I think it hurts their chances a little bit more. I'm not sure what they, uh, the rest of their schedule looks like. Corey, if you want to do our little schedule uh, finder for me, that would be great. But um, pretty big news there late in the season when you're going on a big run. I mean, Frank Reich magic is, is still a hell of a thing, but um, I guess now you go to uh, what's his name there as a backup. I can't even think of his name there. Eason is he, he's the guy Jacob. Yeah. Eason still? Yeah. Well, two, two things to keep in mind here, Randy, with the breaking news with Carson Wentz, the CDC just changed it for unvaccinated people from 10 days to five days. I thought it was vaccinated people had that, or no. was it unvaccinated? Uh, unvaccinated people, the guidelines have now shifted. They have to quarantine for five days instead of 10. 
So that may change the NFL's policy. Um, Colts have the Raiders and Jags. They'll at least win the Jags game. (laughs) Yeah, so um, no, I I actually like Eason a lot. I I think Eason has a lot of really good quarterback traits that I'm interested in seeing more of. I I think they'll be fine. As long as it's not Jonathan Taylor, because keep in mind, Darius Mm -hmm. Leonard didn't play last on Saturday either. True. So this Colts team, I think, easily, easily could withstand the blow of missing Carson once and letting Easton get out there and get some reps. Well, all right. Well, breaking news. Thanks, Jacob. Uh, got that update as he posted that in the comments. So uh, we'll be following that, and we'll have to keep that in mind for our predictions when we come do our Thursday show, Matt Bushnell. So uh, I'm so taking the Colts that. anyway. Yeah, well, probably. You know, but gets the Raiders. The Raiders are frisky. Who knows? Uh, anyway, you're probably right. Frank Reich is a magician. But yeah. one more uh, primetime game to talk about here, and it is Thursday night. Got us kicked off uh, this week of the holiday weekend, uh, and both of us thought the Niners were going to take care of business. But it was, nope. Mike Vrabel and the defense of the Tennessee Titans and A.J. Brown making his comeback game made a statement and said, <laughs> I don't care who you are. We're going to get the job done. And the Titans now 10 and five with a 20 to 17 win over the red hot 49ers. And this goes back to what I said about the Niners. As long as George Kittle is involved in taking them to the promised land. I love the Niners. Once you get him out of the game and, and don't, and he's not a part of the game plan. I stopped liking you as much. Like I know Debo is having a great year. He had a great game nine for one fifty nine, And then he also ran for 32 yards, but to me, it's all about big number 85, and he only had two for 21 in this game on three targets. You're only helping the Titans when you do that, in my opinion. And I think, you know, the return of A.J. Brown, 11 for 145 and a touchdown, maybe exactly what the Titans needed while Derrick Henry still on the shelf. So I, I was pretty surprised about this outcome, Matt, I got to say. Yeah, I I just I don't like what the 49ers do. Like you said, when they take George Kittle out of the game plan and when you have Jimmy Garoppolo throw the football 35 times, and only how many targets did Kittle get? I believe it was three. three. Like he throws 35 times and your best offensive player only gets three targets. And I know Debo's on this team, but George Kittle is a much more important piece of this offense. Look, uh, it, it's hard for me to judge how good these Tennessee Titans are. They are either really good or they are just incredibly lucky because how the hell they go into – this game without Derrick Henry and beat a physical football team is beyond me. I mean, I'm just, I, I, I go back to the 49ers. I didn't like them. And then I kind of bought into them a little bit more. And now it's kind of feels like this. And then you hear Jimmy G tore his UCL in his thumb mm. and also has a broken thumb. His thumb's also broken on his throwing hand. You throw a Trey Lance in there with two games. I, I don't know if this team makes the playoffs. I, I don't. Um, I'd have to see who they have left on their schedule. But to me, at the end of the day, this football team, for as much clout Kyle Shanahan gets, he loses too many games like this. It's got to be maddening as a 49er fan. When you have the better roster, the healthier roster in this game, I'm pretty sure the 49ers were at full strength this game. And they go out. That's running back, I think. I don't think they had uh, Mitchell. No, they didn't. But, I mean – Look, this team's built on their offensive line. They're built to run the football. Um, I just, this team to me is just, I don't like them. I think they're overrated. Again, I, I want to like them because it's football that I like to watch. I like the physical brand of football. 
But when you let times come in and with Derrick Henry out and Julio Jones being a shell of himself, I didn't love their offensive line. Nick Bosa was pretty much just kind of there. Um, I know he got some hurries and some pressures there, but to me, I'm just, I'm, I'm selling stock on this team, Randy. I don't, I don't buy it. And if you're going into the playoffs or you're going into the next two weeks with Trey Lance, I'm out, man. Yeah, not good vibes for me. Uh, as you said, Trey Lance, I don't think he's the right guy either. Um, but Jimmy G, at least, is your steady guy when you have the rest of the guys playing well around him. But if he has this injury issue, um, could be an early out for the Niners here. Um, Jimmy G, 26 to 35, 322 yards, touchdown, two picks. Um, I just got to say, this is a pretty astounding uh, stat for the Titans. Uh, Tannehill was 22 of 29 for 209 yards and a touchdown. All of those 209 yards was A.J. Prowse 145. <laughs> Wow. And he threw the ball 29 times, 16 of them intended for A.J. Brown. You think A.J. Brown matters to the Titans a little bit here? Yeah, I mean, out of the 35 <laughs> pass attempts, 15 should have went to Kittle. Yeah, seriously. At least the Titans know where their, their bread is buttered here yeah. without Derrick Henry. They know A.J. Brown is their guy, so they found their guy. They found their guy. Yeah, so uh, the Titans, I'm impressed. Like I got to say, that every time I count them out, they seem to come back and uh, have a bounce back win. And the Niners. You got two games left uh, against the Texans and the Rams. So my guess, they finish nine and eight, and we'll see if that's good enough to make the playoffs in the NFC. I have a feeling it is. Yeah, it's going to be close. It really depends on what the Vikings do. Yep, and I, I love that it's so close because every game still matters here. Like, there's nothing that we can just throw away and say, nope, because even the seeding matters. Yeah, all these teams are still playing for positions in the postseason. So I love that. Sunday now, moving on to Sunday uh, the day after Christmas, always a great slot for me. Um, but we're going to start. Let's do these little rapid fire. We've taken a lot of time on these games. Let's do these a little bit quicker. And we don't need to spend a, time, a ton of time on this first one here, Matt Bushnell, as you know. Um, my Giants went to Philadelphia to, I guess, they played a football game against the Eagles. But uh, they lose 34-10 to over Philly. This game somehow tied 3-3 at halftime. Um, Jay Fromm started, and then Mike Lennon ended the game. Um, I get, I don't know if Fromm, if Fromm got hurt or if he just sucked so bad they wanted to put Glennon back in. Regardless, Giants offensive line is abysmal. The Saquon Barkley decisions to continue is to just linger over them because he cannot run through holes that get open for him. And when he uh, makes a play, it doesn't seem to make a difference at all. So um, Giants defense uh, appears to have given up on the season at this point. Jalen Hurts had a bounce back game uh, after the, the last time he played the Giants, played terrible. So Eagles are now eight and seven. Um, they also are in the NFC playoff picture. They could have a wild card spot too if they want out. Um, and the Giants now four and eleven. They are probably going to lose out. <laughs> I don't imagine. I mean, they're getting, they got your Bears this week, and then they finish up with the Washington Football Team. So the Giants even worse than I could have imagined because I had at least somewhat thoughts of a competitive football team coming into the season. Some people were hoping for playoffs. This team is an absolute joke. Uh, cannot wait for the season to end faster. Mm -hmm. Philly run the ball really well hurts pretty inconsistent for the most part, but um, they, he helps with the running attack and the defense uh, secondary for Philly is actually pretty good. So they have enough veterans on this team. I'm not saying the Eagles could make a run, but I also don't necessarily think they're a team that other teams are like excited to play in the playoffs. I think they could be just annoying enough to cause some issues. Yeah. I, I think the Eagles are explosive enough offensively with the right matchup where they can make life pretty difficult for you if they so mm -hmm. decide um giants are the worst team in football 
the record may not indicate it. I, I know the Jags are not great either. But to me, I just take a look at this Giants football team, and I don't know if there's a team in the NFL that they can beat right now with how they're playing. The quarterback play, Saquon Barkley had, I believe it was 15 carries for 32 yards. That, that's a joke. Like, this guy's supposed to be healthy now. Um, I don't love it. They're mega paid wide receiver, three catches for 22 yards on eight targets. He's checked out, too. He doesn't run any routes. Yeah. He just he doesn't even try yeah, money well spent, and their yeah. cap situations hell. I can't see the Giants winning another game. So yeah, this game was complete garbage. Congrats, Philly, a team that no one's really going to enjoy playing. Yeah, and uh, I I've, I know everyone you know says I'm a Giants fan. And I complain and I'm negative, but I I don't think there's another organization in a worse spot right now than the New York Giants. So yeah, uh, thanks, Dave Gettleman. Don't let the door kick you on the way out. <laughs> door hit you <laughs> on the way out. Whatever that saying is. Yeah, it's, it's going to be uh, a long rebuild. That it is. That it is. Fun. Fun stuff there. Um, all right. Well, the other team that is a pretty bad team this year, but much more fun to watch than the Giants and the team that covers. And every time they win, it's like the, the most exciting thing ever. And it's the Detroit Lions who covered again this week. As we said, too big of a line for the Atlanta Falcons. We both knew that from the very beginning. But Atlanta does win the game 20 to 16 over Detroit. Uh, they have a late interception, which I don't think was Jared Goff, right? I think it was Boyle. Uh, it was Tim Boyle. Yep. Uh, so the Falcons now seven and eight after their 20 to 16 win. They are st- still technically alive in the <laughs> NFC playoff picture. Believe it or not, I cannot even, I, I, that doesn't make any sense to me. The Falcons are just very mediocre all around, but sure enough, uh, they are very much still relevant. And the Lions now two, 12 and one. Um, I don't know if they completely ruined their chance at top, uh, the number one overall pick, nope. but it seems like the Jags have that locked up at this point. But, hey, the Lions building a little bit of a culture, it seems like, here. And uh, good for Dan Campbell there. Yeah, I'll find it interesting to see how the draft order falls. But if the Jags lose Sunday, they lock up the number one seed for the second year in a row. So, yeah, the Jags just keep on getting gifts. But I like the culture building going on in Detroit because I think it's important. You know, Goff didn't play this game, which is kind of like – I was really hoping to see golf again because I thought he played really well the last game. I, I actually liked what I saw from Jared Goff. I think he's capable of winning games as a quarterback. So does, you know, MCDC, Motor City Dan Campbell, baby. <laughs> but look, um, there's a lot of things that you can watch on a Sunday, but the Lions have been entertaining in, in some yeah. form or fashion. You know, they, they kind of can get that backdoor cover. Really, the Lions, I thought we're going to win this game, but Tim Boyle threw one of the worst red zone interceptions with, I think it was 30 seconds left or something like that, that completely crushed the Lions' chances. But I thought they were going to move to 3-11 and 11 and 1, but hmm. what wasn't meant to be. But I like the fight in this team. They have not given up. 2-12-1, and one, and this team is still fighting and clawing to get wins you know, I, I, I love what they've done. The Falcons, I, it's culture, man. It, you know, when people talk about coaches make differences, the Giants roster at the beginning of the year was good enough to win some games. And, but you take a look at Atlanta, like the roster, when they traded Julio Jones and Calvin Ridley went out, like how is this team going to find ways to win games? And this is why you paid Arthur Smith and gave him the opportunity to be your head coach because he's a damn good head coach. The guy gets offense. He runs a very physical, simplistic scheme. 
And Matt Ryan looks like he doesn't even belong in the NFL with his pew shooter of an arm now. But congratulations. Mm-hmm. Falcons are seven and eight. I, I don't think very many people would have predicted it. Um, I think we both kind of thought they would be feisty, but yeah. seven and eight, you know, tied for second place in the NFC South. Who would have thunk it? No, not me. Uh, that's for sure. Not, not me at all. And uh, to the Lions credit, they've been much more watchable than my football team <laughs> and much more watchable than like the Jaguars. Um, I know I took them longer to win a game than anyone else, but Hey, they, they, they play entertaining games. So I'll give them credit for that. Uh, if nothing else. And just for the record, we always, you know, we've been calling each other out uh, a bunch of us in the football life group about what you get wrong and stuff. But I said, if you played in the fantasy playoffs and you needed a wide receiver to pick up a Mon Ross St. Brown. And in the last three weeks, he's been a really good player for, for the lions. And this, this past week he had nine for 91 and a touchdown on 11 targets last week. He had seven for 75 and a touchdown also on 10 plus targets. So Mon Ross St. Brown turned into a nice player for the lions. I like him. I, I think that the Lions have found a suitable replacement for Kenny Galladay, a better wide receiver, which always helps. So Much cheaper, that's for sure. <laughs> yeah, a hell of a lot cheaper. All right. Well, moving on now to the AFC North, where it appears it is going to Ohio after all. It is just <laughs> not the Cleveland Browns. It is the Cincinnati Bengals. Joe Burrow um, just said how boring Cincinnati was and how he has not really anything to do. So all they do is practice and he just watches tape. So it's paying off here because the Bengals put it on the Ravens 41 to 21. Joe Burrow was, had the fifth highest passing game in NFL history, 37 to 46, 525 passing yards and four touchdowns. What a game for the kid. Uh, looks like he could be in home alone, so appropriate that he went off this this weekend. Uh, and it was it was everybody. It was T. Higgins, 12 for 194, two touchdowns. Jamar Chase, 7 for 125. Tyler Boyd, 3 for 85 and a touchdown. Joe Mixon, 6 for 70 and a touchdown. Like, he was spreading it all over the place. So good for Joe Burrow. And it helps when the Ravens started Josh Johnson at quarterback, who was on the Jets earlier this season. So, uh, tough times there in Baltimore, who were once eight and three, I believe, eight and four. They're working on three or four consecutive losses now, eight and seven for the Ravens. Um, and now the Bengals now nine and six. And I guess unless, you know, some sort of catastrophic, devastating injury to Joe Burrow happens, they're going to win this division. Yeah. And I think they've been the most consistent AFC North team out of all of them. You take a look at some of the wins that they have this year and some of the losses, and you're kind of like, yeah, kind of Jekyll and Hyde-ish. I don't think they're a great football team, but I do think Joe Burrow's a great quarterback. And when they didn't draft Panay Sewell and they drafted Jamar Chase, you know, I killed them for it mm-hmm. because I thought they needed an offensive lineman to protect Burrow. But you know, those wide receivers are damn good. Um, <laughs> really good, you know, trio of wide receivers. And Joe Mixon's a hell of a running back. So I give them a lot of credit. Joe Burrow's fantastic. I know a lot of people, uh, I, I did the post with Dan Norvlowski's top five quarterbacks, and I'm not going to argue with it. You know, however you want to stack them or whatever, it doesn't matter. In the top five of the top five, I'm just going to leave it at that. I don't like to start putting them in order. Really, I think when you get past Rodgers and, uh, and, and Brady, it doesn't much matter. Um, Mahomes is up there, but Burrow is definitely, he's worthy of being in the top five. Um, the stuff that he's shown last year before the ACL tear, he looked like he was going to be great towards ACL. He comes back this year and he's great. He's a good quarterback. He's a really, mm-hmm. really good quarterback. 
you, you could go take a poll, all right, and you could say you can have Joe Burrow. Maybe four teams say no, and that's yeah. Rodgers because you got Rodgers, Brady, and then Mahomes. And I would say Herbert. Yeah, I but mean, even then, I think that's where the conversation starts. Yeah, yeah, I I, I do believe Josh Allen maybe. maybe. Yeah, so I mean, Bur- Burrow's that guy, and the Ravens. To me, it's kind of hypocritical to hear John Harbaugh complain about Burrow, you know, running it up after the shit that they've done, trying to extend 100-yard rushing games and all that other shit. It's just kind of like, shut up, man. You don't like it, stop them. That's always been my philosophy in this game. If you don't want a team doing that, stop it. And they can't. So guess what? You you got a 41 spot hung up on you, so shut the fuck up. This is the debate now, though, in these in these NFL shows. I don't know if you saw, but Mina Kimes um, said that she was going to take Herbert over um, over Burrow, and I, I do think that's kind of that top five range now. And I do think the future is bright because once Brady and Rogers, who hopefully you know not here forever, maybe they are, maybe, who knows? Um, but in theory, it's the future of this is going to be Mahomes, and it's going to be. Um, Burrow and it's going to be Herbert and then I, I do I don't want to slight the Bills fans out there Bills Mafia is listening Josh Allen deserves some love because we're going to talk about that game in a little bit and Josh Allen made some insane throws there um, but to me Burrow and Herbert are, are two of the best young guys and they're always going to be talked about because they're part of the same draft class and you and I questioned it should Burrow be the you know universal number one pick like you know unanimous no, no questions asked. And, you know, he's proven that he was worth it. And, you know, the Bengals weren't exactly a steady organization that was well run before he got there. So I'm even more impressed by, by how he's been able to play since he started. Yeah. I mean, personally, I take Burrow over, or over Herbert just because I think Burrow has that extra grittiness to him. Mm-hmm. Um, I, and not to take anything away from Herbert, because I mean, if you have either one of these guys, you yeah. are, Time you are up. blessed. <laughs> Agreed. Sign me up. <laughs> yep. Yep. Did just, I'll, I'll take either one. I, I'm yep. not going to argue. I'd be very happy with either. Uh, good for the Bengals. I'm happy for the people of Cincinnati. You have to eat that Skyline chili all the time. So it's a good thing. <laughs> now you have some, some actual quality to look forward to in your life instead of just, you know, just overall media mediocrity all over the place. So good job. Good job. Bengals happy for them. All right. Moving on now to the Rams uh, taking care of business in Minnesota against the Vikings. And this is a game the Vikings desperately needed uh, and they could not get the job done. The Rams beating Minnesota 30 to 23, now improving to 11 and four. And Matt Stafford was 21 of 37 for just 197 yards with a touchdown and three picks. So not the sharpest day for Matt Stafford, um, but they got the job done on the ground. Sony Michelle, 27 for 131. Uh, Daryl Henderson had a 17 yard rush in there as well. And then Cooper Cup, 10 for 109. He continues his steady season. And then Odell Beckham Jr., my guy, seals it at the end, uh, finishing off a of four for 37 day, but with a touchdown. And then giving love to Justin Jefferson with the gritty dance at the end. So, you know, I got to shout out my guy for that. But I didn't get to watch a ton of this game, but Kirk Cousins, 27 or 38, 315 in a touchdown and a pick. Um, Madison couldn't get really involved too much, just 13 or 41. Jefferson did his thing, 18, uh, 8 for 116. But the Vikings just just to find a way to fall short. That's just been the thing for most of my life is that somehow, some way, they're just going to find a way to lose. Yeah, I mean, the, the Vikings are always the bridesmaid, never the bride, yeah. if you heard it, so to speak. Um, the, the Rams got to clean up a lot of football. I don't think this is a very complete football team yet. I, I do think there's aspects of the game where you, you really like, but the Vikings are just always a piece or away. Like, this is, 
to me, it's not a great football team. It's an okay football team. They are perfectly average. Yeah. As I would say, like when I was talking about the bears earlier in the season, perfectly average, um, to, to me, I just, I, I would never trust this team, the Vikings in a big spot. They failed too many times. Uh, you know, realistically, the Bears outplayed them. They should have lost to the Bears on Monday night, but with a stupid offense and dumb penalties and poor discipline, you know, the Vikings were able to get away with the win, but Cousins only had 87 yards. It wasn't like he was this magician. And I know the Vikings didn't have Dalvin Cook this game, but at some point you have to win a game that you're not supposed to win. Yep. And the Vikings never win a game that they're not supposed to win. That, that's the problem here. Like go out there and beat somebody that is way above your league. Hasn't happened. And you cite missed field goals. You know how many points they give up in the last two minutes of the half or a game that that's your team though. That, that's the epitome of what's wrong with you. You can't close anything out. You can't close out a season. You can't close out a game. So therefore you're stuck in this mediocrity of hell. And now the Rams, you know, were able to take advantage of three brutal Stafford picks. I mean, I, I don't know any other way to say it. Shit. The Vikings picked one off when Stafford was back in his own end zone. Another one of those interceptions. Mm -hmm. So to me, Stafford's got to get more steady. I would like to see a little bit more of a commitment to the run game. I know Sonny Michelle had 27 for 131, but when Stafford's thrown three picks and he's 21 for 37, put the ball on the ground. The Vikings aren't stopping you right now. Um, and I do believe Daryl Henderson's out for the rest of the year. And but mm -hmm. Cam Akers is back practicing. So yeah, cool story there about Cam Akers who tore his Achilles in spring training or in training camp, I should say, um, record time, I feel like, for an Achilles tear. But I think the reason they did it is so he could get his base salary for the season. Um, so the classy move by the Rams. He might not even be able to play until the postseason, but still uh, nonetheless cool. And that will be a good boost for them because Cam Akers was really good for them last year as well. But, yeah, the Vikings, I feel like the only time they ever won a game that I was, like, shocked that they won um, was the, with two of them, and it was both playoff games against the Saints. <laughs> it was the Minneapolis <laughs> Miracle with Diggs, and then it was the one in New Orleans where Kyle Rudolph caught the touchdown to win in overtime, and that was it. I feel like those are the only two games I've ever walked away and went, wow, the, the Vikings actually did something. <laughs> so it's usually, like, most of the time, it sounds about right. They lost, so well, whatever. Yep. Vikings are dead to me. Dead. Sorry, sorry, Lucas. Uh, just feels like they're done. Get them out of here. Moving on. Moving on to the Bills, who did impress me. And I, I think they impressed the uh, Patriots a little bit, too, uh, in Foxborough over the weekend. Uh, I have been an enemy of Bills Mafia on Twitter all year <laughs> because I have said the Patriots are better than the Bills, and I, I consistently get shit for it. Um, and I got tagged a lot in the final score graphic of this game. Um, I, I expected them to split. I think they're both good teams. I expected the Bills to win at home and the Patriots to win at home. They just beat each other on the road. So, all right, there you go. You're both even. Uh, you both have the same record. Uh, the tiebreaker goes to Buffalo because of the conference record. So now Buffalo is currently leading the division. So um, I have said in this argument, by the way, from the beginning, that I do think the Patriots are a better team. With that said, I think the Bills have a better quarterback, and I think the Bills have a better wide receiver. And in this game in particular, those two players proved me right on that because Josh Allen and Stephon Diggs are why they won this game. Josh Allen, 30 of 47, 314 yards, three touchdowns, lights out game by Josh Allen. And he also had 12 carries for 64 yards on the ground. He was unbelievable. 
Stephon Diggs, seven for 85 and a touchdown. He had a disrespectful <laughs> touchdown <laughs> celebration if I've ever seen one. He pointed at a couple fans in the front row, and you could hear him say, STFU, and I'm not going to say it out loud, but you know what that means? He just spit at him, and he's like, sick of you. And I'm like, yeah, for all of America who's been sick of the Patriots, I understand. So, uh, Diggs, you're my guy for that. Um, and then Isaiah McKenzie getting a chance to play because Cole Beasley's on the COVID list. Uh, other injury issues, 11 catches, 125 yards in the touchdown, and a recipient of just an unbelievable throw by Josh Allen who rolled to his left and floated a ball right over the linebacker and in between the safety, perfectly thrown right to him. I, I watched that throw probably 16 times in a row, and I thought it was Pat Mahomes. Like, it was that impressive of a throw. Um, I came away from this game thinking Josh Allen did the damn thing. I'm very impressed by Josh Allen in this game. And the Bills win 33-21. to 21. Your concerns about Mac Jones, I think, are valid, Matt. <laughs> Matt, I, I, I kind of crowned him a little too early, and I, I think he hurt himself uh, for a potential rookie of the year uh, the last couple of weeks. I think his play has been pretty poor. Yeah, to, to me, look, when we start going, two rookie quarterbacks last year really showed stuff, and that's Burrow and Herbert. You're mm-hmm. like, holy shit, these guys, these guys can be something. Um. These quarterbacks this year, it was a little bit harder to judge. I mean, Jones played one year at Alabama, hell of a year, you know, and he's, he, he could be a very good quarterback. I, I think Jones has a very bright future ahead of him in New England. And, and I'm, I'm only taking the rookie snapshot of this year. Like what quarterbacks are going to be really good this year versus what their future looks like. And we can get into that. I, I think Jones is in the best possible situation that he could have went to. We talked about that. Like it's so comfortable, so, you know, smart and deliberate on how they game plan. So for, for Mac Jones and all the love that he gets, I don't want to say it's unwarranted because he is, you know, he's, he's a nice quarterback. I, I, I expect him to have a very, very good career in the NFL. Um, when we take a look at Josh Allen, though, he's been here for this is his fourth year now. Mm-hmm. He's better. He's a better quarterback than mm-hmm. Mac Jones is. And the Patriots are a good football team, but they're not a great football team. You know, they're, they're better than average. But when we talk about the elite teams going into this year, it, the main talk in the AFC was Buffalo and Kansas City. And what teams are starting to, like, really start looking like they're separating themselves? Buffalo and Kansas City. Um, Buffalo lost to New England in that hellstorm in Buffalo mm-hmm. earlier this month. But – I still like what Buffalo can do. I still think they're the biggest threat to Kansas city, but Buffalo against new England. I just, I can't see new England winning this division with the way Buffalo's playing right now. Mac Jones threw those two brutal interceptions. He's been throwing a lot more interceptions. The key is you can't let this guy throw downfield because it becomes wildly inaccurate at that point. He loses a lot of accuracy. It's not that he doesn't have arm strength. It's just the accuracy dips off. And when you don't have, a Jalen Waddle and a Devonte Smith and all those plethora of weapons that they have. I believe he had Najee Harris as well. Um, I, I, I don't know what else to say. You know, it, this is par for the course. I, I kind of expected it to go this way. Yeah. I mean, Damian Harris, if you had him in fantasy, congrats. He had 18 for 103, three touchdowns. <laughs> I think that helps, yeah. but uh, the limitations of quarterback are real. And you're seeing that with the Pats now. I think he had a nice run. I think he's still capable of being a good quarterback, a, a game manager kind of guy. Um, but in new England, 
you need a guy with a little bit more talent. I think if you had a guy like Josh Allen, you'd feel a lot better about where the Patriots were. Um, but we'll see. Both these teams, nine and six. The, the Bills celebrated an awful lot in this win, I have to say. <laughs> so uh, I hope they can refocus and, and, and get the job done because if they were to fall off and lose this division, now they have to win the division. They have to. Yeah. Um, but you never know. Anything's possible. So um, good win for the Bills. Very, very impressed by them and and, and Allen in particular. He he was lights out in this game for sure. Yeah. Wonderful play, quarterback man. Yep. Yep. Moving on now uh, to another team in the AFC East who got a dub. And congrats, Jacob, and all the Jets nation, because you got one. You finally got one. And now the Jets, uh, welcome to the four-win club, I have to say, on behalf of the other team that plays at MetLife Stadium. MetLife, I got to say, really successful place. 4-11 Jets, 4-11 Giants. We only breed breed the 4-11 type football baby uh <laughs> but the jets uh the jets get to win over the jags 26 to 21 um zach wilson only threw for 102 yards so take that for what you will <laughs> and lawrence 26 to 39 280 no touchdowns no picks so i'm not sure what's going on with trevor lawrence but uh i would like to see some touchdowns in there i would like to see a little bit more efficiency in there but um, I didn't get to watch a ton of this game. It looks like Michael Carter's impact 16 for 118 was felt. And then Zach Wilson on the ground, by the way, he might only had 102 yards uh, passing, but he had 91 yards on the ground, including a 52 yard run, which I did see for a touchdown uh, really showed off his athleticism there. So good for the jets, a nice uh, moral victory at home before the season ends. Um, four and 11. Welcome to the, welcome to the four win club. Yeah, big story out of this game is James Robinson tore his Achilles, I believe. Yes. So that that's a huge injury for the Jags. To, to me, I don't have a lot to say about this game, Randy. I mean, like I said, it, to me, Zach Wilson feels a lot like Mac Jones, but more athletic. Um, probably a bigger arm, but similar accuracy issues. I don't trust his deep ball whatsoever. Mm-hmm. Michael Carter's the real deal. I, I thought that was a fantastic pick coming out of the draft. They got a real good running back. I believe they got him in the third or fourth round. Yep. So hell of a pick at that running back spot. And once again, shows Randy's point that you can find a really good one outside of the first two rounds. So you know, the first two picks, believe it or not. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Crazy theory there. But, you know, at the end of the day, I, I think the Jets are starting to build a really solid culture. And to me, that was kind of the theme this year. Get the culture right, because it's had such a terrible stench to it. Zach Wilson's got to play better. I mean, I'm sorry. You could take a lot of good way, good, um, I, I guess, a moral victory out of this, you know, rushing for four for 91, but 14 for 22 and 102 yards in one touchdown. That's not going to cut it in today's NFL. You know, glad he didn't turn the ball over, but you, you got to get more yards through the air. Um, probably they only won this game because it was against the Jags who made a dumb just the mistakes the Jaguars inflict on themselves just shows you why this team is two and 13 and they have a long way to go. Um, but I'm not, I'm not writing a referendum. Jets win four and 11 Jags lose. Um, I thought both quarterbacks are making progress and I think both have a, you know, could have a very bright future. I'm, I'm not, I'm more sold on Trevor Lawrence than I am Zach Wilson, but I'm eager to see what Zach Wilson does in his career. But I, I did like what I saw from Trevor Lawrence. I, I thought his accuracy was pretty decent. Um, nice to see him really get the ball in some of those tight windows. Um, so we'll see. The, the, the Jags do need better receivers, though. They don't have a lot of help on the outside. 
Yeah, when they're going to have the number one pick again this year, it looks like. So maybe they can get him some help uh, there. And I just got a notification that Jags head coach search is underway. And the top three names are Doug Peterson, Byron Leftwich, and Kellen Moore. So I think all of those are good news for Trevor Lawrence. Um, and I think Leftwich, as far as I know, would be the favorite considering his history with the franchise and his success with Tampa Bay. That makes a ton of sense to me. Um Fun fact, though, about Michael Carter, him and Javante Williams, both UNC running backs last year, both making a huge impact in the NFL. So good for North Carolina and the Tar Heels there, and both the second and third round picks, I believe. So those guys making an impact on their franchises already. Yeah, and and real quick, I I do want to touch on one name. Um, I really haven't paid attention to him this year at all. Really kind of slept under the radar. But Braxton Berrios, Mm. every time I see this kid, I, I don't know how good he is on the outside. I think he has a very bright future as a slot receiver. He's super quick. I, I like what I see from him. So that might be a piece in the receiver core. But like Jacob said, if if they can get a number one running back, I'm sorry, number one wide receiver, you know, they got a lot of cap space. Devontae Adams is a free agent. Allen Robinson's a free agent. There's names out there that, that, that they could really add and help out Zach Wilson a ton this offseason. I like what I saw from Elijah Moore from them this year. I thought he looked really good. Uh, I think he's about part of that, uh, the future for them as well. Barrios had a nice kick return for a touchdown in this game. Yep. Uh, and he posted about it because uh, I think people have called him <laughs> quick, but not fast. I think that might be a little racial undertones there because he's a white guy, but uh, looks, <laughs> look, certainly looked fast to me on that play. So uh, <laughs> I don't blame him for having that little chip on his shoulder there. So good for him. Uh, and he, Barrios was a Patriot and, and, and Jacob in the comments saying he's surprised the Pats didn't keep him. He's, he certainly looks like a prototypical Patriot slot receiver guy. I'm also pretty surprised they didn't keep him. So yep, good for the Jets. They seemed like they found a good player there. And uh, I like some of their core young players that they have. Uh, maybe they sign a Godwin or like you said, an Allen Robinson. I mean, if they could land an Adams, I mean, that'd be huge for them. But uh, I like where the Jets are at uh, with the two first round picks too. They might be two top 10 picks even too in, uh, in the upcoming draft. So yeah, it's Jets. looking like it. Looking like it indeed when New York, the MetLife Stadium, you have four of the top 10 picks in the draft. So um, looking forward to that. Moving on now, Matt, uh, it is the Bucs. We don't have to spend a ton of time on this because I hate the Panthers. Yeah. Uh, I hate everything they stand for. They piss me off every single week. Uh, that's why I had the Bucs in this game with the points, the 10 and yeah. a half. I don't care that they didn't have Mike Evans. I don't care that they didn't have Chris Godwin. I don't care that they didn't have Leonard Fournette. Did they still have Tom Brady? Yeah. Did they still have Gronk? <laughs> yeah. I don't care about the rest of it. They still have Bruce Arians. They still got their defense. Carolina stinks. I hate their coaching staff. I hate the whole, let's throw Sam Darnold out there. Okay, let's bring it back in Cam Newton in there. Like, I hate it. I'm so sick of this QB rotation nonsense. Rule has no clue what he's doing. They are not running a college program here. This is an NFL franchise. Start treating it as such. I know Darnold was your prize guy that you traded for in the offseason. You traded a second-round pick. Like, if you're a Jets fan and you, you got the second overall, like the second-round pick for Darnold, you're, like, popping bottles that you got that much of a pick for him. Like, you have to be thrilled about that deal. Now, Darnold finally came back from injury. He went 15 to 32, 190 yards, no touchdowns, no picks. And they ran for 11 yards. Cam Newton, seven for 13, 61 yards. An interception, ran for 42 yards. This rotation crap is garbage. So Antonio Brown came back for the Bucs. It's all I needed. He had 10 for 101. Looked like his old self. Looked like Antonio Brown. I don't know what else to say about this game. I knew the Bucs were going to win. The Bucs clinched the AFC, uh, the NFC South. It was the first time they won the division and 
over 12 years or something like that. Pretty crazy considering they won the Super Bowl. They have a wild card team last year. But the Panthers are dead. Fire Matt Rule. Get him out of my life. I'm so sick of this organization. I'm not even a Panthers fan. If I was a Panthers fan, I'd be infuriated by them. It's 1,000% working, Randy. Is it? What one? Because it took Jay-Z seven years, right? <laughs> That's right. That's right. Yeah, I, I got nothing to add. But Bucks did what they had to do, took care of business. Panthers suck. That's going to be a fun house cleaning. A <laughs> uh, question from my, my buddy Mike in the, in the comments saying, is Becton a bust? I, I don't think I would call Becton a bust. He's no. just hurt. I mean, yeah. he, uh, the guy is built like an aircraft carrier. Uh, <laughs> I think his biggest problem is that he can't stay on the field. <laughs> I wouldn't call him a bust. I think when he plays, he's been really good. I, I haven't got to watch a ton of Jets games, but uh, every time that I've seen tape on him or clips of him blocking, it seems like he's actually a really good player. Yeah, he, he just swallows people. Like, it just, yeah. they fall into the Becton Sea. Right. So, yeah. I wouldn't wrong. call him the best at all. I, I mean, those four tackles that you got, you saw in that last year's draft, I think all of them are, are pretty good. I think we all whiffed on the best one, though. Worfs appears to be <laughs> the best of the best, and he was the last one taken. But um, I, I still like um, – Wills, uh, the guy the Browns took, and Thomas for the Giants has probably been the best player they've had this year. So yeah. all four of those tackles, I think, are good football players. Yep. All right. Yeah, we're not talking about the uh, the damn Panthers anymore. They, they're, they're stupid. If it's a, if the Panthers give Matt Rule seven years, they deserve to just suck forever. I don't know what to tell you. Uh, you can't compare a rap career to a head coaching career, you dumb idiot. <laughs> yeah. uh, all, right, all right. Now – Texans, come on, Texans Chargers, baby. Davis Mills time. I know this doesn't help my Justin Herbert stock. My guy (laughs) (laughs) losing to the Texans with Davis Mills, who um, might have a longer neck than Mike Glennon, which is almost (laughs) hard to even imagine. The guy is all time neck uh, up there. I got to say, I can't I'm so distracted by how long his neck is. I can't even offer proper analysis on the guy. Uh, (laughs) But he went 21 to 27 for 254 yards and two touchdowns. Hey, they're giving this guy the chance to audition for the job next year, and he is grabbing it, man. He really wants it, and good for him because he's played well. This is the Rex Burkhead return game. Holy hell, Rex Burkhead forgot he existed. 22 carries, 149 yards, two touchdowns, um, and then you know a plethora of receivers made plays for Mr. Mills, so good for them. But Herbert, brutal, brutal, brutal turnovers in this game, two of them, and then the game ceiling pick six that he threw. Uh, he finishes 27 to 35, 336 yards, touchdown, and like I said, those two picks. But shout out to my guy Justin Jackson, helping me to get the fantasy playoffs. 11 carries, 64 yards, two touchdowns, and eight catches for 98 yards in place of Austin Eckler. Matt, the Chargers have a chance to make the playoffs and have a feel good season, and yet they just can't get out of their own way. What the hell? The defense is bad, man. That defense is really, really bad. Um, Derwin James, Joey Bosa, it's a two guys out of 11 can only do so much. I mean, we talk about it quite a bit. You can have an elite pass rusher, you can have an elite safety, you can have both, and it doesn't mean your defense is any good. Um, we're talking about a total rehauling of what they need to do defensively. It's a nice year for them. This year, it's a deep defensive lineman draft. So you're going to be able to get some other good defensive linemen out of this draft class. Um, it's super thin in the secondary, which is where they need some help at cornerback pretty badly. So that's going to have to be kind of figuring out how to get that taken care of. And, and then linebacker, you know, I, I haven't heard much about linebackers in this draft, so I don't know if it's deep or not. 
the, the one thing I've heard is deep in offensive linemen and deep in wide receivers and defensive line, it, it's, it's okay. You know, you're going to be able to find a good one in the later rounds, maybe not great ones um, outside of Hutchinson and Thibodeau, but you should be able to get some help on the defensive line, but really deep wide receiver draft, but the chargers need defensive help. When it comes to Houston, I'm fascinated by this storyline, Randy, because we have Tua playing well in Miami, and now we have Davis Mills playing well for Houston. So this changes the narrative a little bit where the Jets, I mean, I'm sorry, the Jets, the Texans don't necessarily have to take a quarterback back in a draft. They can look at other things that they may want. So now you got to take a look at who needs Watson. And I'm just saying it's not crazy. The 49ers might be in play here because you can't be in love with Trey Lance and Jimmy Garoppolo. I, you know, who knows about that Trey Lance sending them to Houston might be a nice insurance policy for Davis mills, maybe give them a chance to build. But I, I mean, Houston won this game and Davis mills looks like a very good option to play quarterback. Um, so I'm just fascinated what they're going to be able to do. Although I do have to say the 49ers don't have any draft capital because they fucked that right. up with the Trey Lance trade. So I'm not sure how realistic that's going to be. But um, as a Houston Texan fan, give Coley another year. Well, let's see what David Coley can do because this roster was garbage. Yeah. And, and he's pulled out four wins. So congratulations to David Coley. I think you deserve another year. Let's run it back and see what you can mm-hmm. do with more talent. And no Brandon Cooks in this game, too. You know, that's been their yeah. best offensive player all year, and we didn't have him. So good for them. Good for them. Uh, we can talk about Watson's situation more in the offseason because I do think yeah. it's interesting, uh, some of the potential landing spots for him. And it really depends on what happens with the legal stuff, uh, which I think will shake out either in January or February. So we'll know before the draft uh, whether he's even going to be able to play, <clears throat> which I think, you know, yeah, I, I, I have a feeling he might be able to play. So yeah, I, I uh, mean, he sat out this entire. I, I don't think they're going to suspend him unless he's, unless some shit really comes out. Right, I, I think some settlement money will be distributed, and I think he'll be back on the field next year. So yeah, and that's my uh, non-legal expert analysis on this <laughs> that situation. Uh, not to make light of it, obviously, but no. that's you know, it, it is what it is for now. All right, uh, Chargers, man, I, I wanted to believe in you, and you just. You got the Philip Rivers stink on you forever, apparently. You can never shoot. <laughs> <laughs> but now, Matt, it's time to talk about your football team. And you mocked me for not only saying the Bears were going to cover. As soon as you told me that Big Dick Nick was going to play, <laughs> I said, oh, I don't even think you're going to cover anymore. They're going to win. <laughs> what did. did they do, baby? They won the game. The Bears ruining the Giants draft pick, going into Seattle, and beating the Seahawks on a two-point conversion from Nick Foles to who? Uh, was it Bird? Demir yeah. Yeah, it was Demir Bird. Demir Bird. What the hell happened in this game? Because all I saw was that the Bears were losing the whole time. Seattle seemingly had control, and all of a sudden, Nick Foles was celebrating on the field, winning the game with Matt Nagy. What the what? What happened here? I mean, it didn't look good when uh, they threw that forty-one strike when they uh, Russell Wilson threw that forty-one yard bomb to DK Metcalf to go up seven nothing. I was just like, oh shit, here we go. Um, Really, the Bears played it close. A lot of dumb decisions coaching-wise from Matt Nagy yet again. No way. Yeah, I mean, who would have thought? Um, Nick Foles is is amazing in a lot of different ways. Like, why they ever signed Andy Dalton just makes me more angry that this guy was sitting on the bench. Because he's better than Andy Dalton. (laughs) Just He is. 
Um, I, I think Nick Foles is smart enough to take chicken shit and turn it into chicken salad um, because he, he was able to find the open guys that were there. He outplayed Russell Wilson. Um, if you watch the game, Nick Foles was the better quarterback this day. Um, really, Seattle's defense stinks. Um, that, that, that's what I can take away from this game. Um, David Montgomery had a, you know, they, they ran the ball. They, they tried to run the football and they didn't get a lot of production on the ground, but they got some yards. Defensively, the Bears defense is, is good. I mean, it's a defense that really can control the line of scrimmage when it has to. I didn't like how many rushing yards they gave up, but they did do some things that I liked. So to me, I think the moral of the story is that the Bears are going to have a two-game winning streak and maybe a three-game winning streak to end the season, but we'll talk about that later. But I I like what I saw from the Bears. Definitely getting uh, another win this weekend, and we'll talk about that on the Thursday show. But uh, Nick Foles, man, this guy won a Super Bowl. He gets traded to to the Jags, gets hurt, and then completely disrespected after this. Like, why did the Jets not trade uh, a third-round pick for him to be their backup? Like, what, think about what the Jets' season could have been if they had Nick Foles as their backup uh, instead of running or out their Flacco, you know, or, or Mike White. Yeah, I mean, Nick Foles should have started. I mean, you can make a case that as a bridge quarterback, he should have started for the Bears. He yeah. should have started for the Jets. He should have started for the – I mean – I'm not going to go crazy here, but, you know, I think Trevor Lawrence should have started for the Jags. I just think he was ready. Right. Um, but, no, I, I, I don't get it. I, I don't get what the Bears do here. I, I was kind of rooting for Seattle, you know, just to put the final nail in Matt Nagy's coffin. Mm-hmm. But, obviously, that doesn't happen, and I think Chicago is going to be in for a whole big world of changes, which isn't the worst thing in the world. But Seattle, I mean, I, I, I think we need to talk about Seattle here because if you didn't know – they're five and ten. Yeah, same well, record as the Bears. This is not a good football team. Russell Wilson may have come back from that thumb injury too soon, but mm-hmm. they their backup plan was Geno Smith. Yeah. Like who they could have used Nick Foles as a backup. <laughs> it's me, starting to fall apart there in Seattle if it hasn't already, because the cracks are starting to come through with uh Pete Carroll sort of throwing Russell Wilson under the bus. Yeah. A I don't know if you saw that, but uh, Russ has famously taken sacks that he should not be taking. He, he, sh- he doesn't throw the ball away as much, as much as he should. I know he tries to make the plays, and then he waits too long. And in this game, he took two sacks. But, I mean, still, it's Russell Wilson. But at the same time, you're a veteran quarterback. You're one of the best quarterbacks in the league. You have to be able to throw the ball away. You have to be able to take that for what it is. And you take a sack in a crucial situation. The clock keeps, keeps running. You're taking a hit. You're not supposed to hit. Those are all frustrating. I understand that. And and look, if he gets traded, uh, there's rumors. They say for, to the Giants, for example, the Giants' offensive line stinks. <laughs> You're going to yeah. get sacked a lot if you try to do that in New York. So just saying, those things aren't going to go away for another with another franchise. So the Russell Wilson, Pete Carroll experiment is not working, and it wouldn't shock me if both of them are gone. But it seems like at the very least, one of them is going to be gone in this offseason. And on top of all of that, the Bears and Seahawks picks next year are owned by the two teams that play at MetLife. <laughs> this game had huge implications on those draft picks. And damn Jets now going to have a higher draft pick because the Bears had to win a stupid game on December 26th. Yeah, and the Bears are probably going to win another game and maybe two more games. Yeah, so yeah. That, that Giants, yeah, yeah, I, I feel bad for the Giants. I feel bad for the Jets. And New York doesn't deserve better, but you know what? 
New Jersey doesn't. This is this is this belongs to New Jersey. They deserve okay. what they get. They can have the football teams. <laughs> All right. Well, that's uh, we got two more games left on Sunday. We're going to get the hell out of here. Um, and good for the Bears. Happy for you, Nick Foles. Good for you. Good for you. Uh, the legend continues to grow. Uh, we don't talk a ton about this one either because the Chiefs just beat down the Steelers, and this game was not particularly close at all. Uh, at all, really. I mean, this was all Chiefs, and this was uh, twenty-four to nothing into the third quarter. I mean, this was even without Travis Kelsey, a beatdown uh, by the Chiefs. Uh, Pat Mahomes, twenty-three of thirty, two hundred fifty-eight yards. Three touchdowns, no picks, starting to look like the old yeah. Patty Mahomes. And the Chiefs ran the ball as well. You love to see this. 35 carries as a team, 127 yards. So the Chiefs were having a balanced attack. And it was Byron Pringle stepping up uh, on the Chiefs offense for six or 75 and two touchdowns. If you had Tyree Kill going to fantasy, you probably had a bad time. He had just two for 19. Um, the Big Ben farewell tour. If it hasn't officially started, it probably should. Uh, 23 or 35, just 159 yards, a touchdown, and a pick. Uh, Mason Rudolph finished this game, 5 of 8 for 35 yards. Najee Harris, nice game, 19 for 93. But overall, Deontay Johnson gets a garbage time touchdown. Not a ton of love here about the Steelers. 7-7-1 and on the season now. Um, and the Chiefs now rolling in the one, as the one seed in the AFC at 11-4. Uh, uh, only thing I'm going to say about this is uh, the Chiefs are winning the Super Bowl. You know, I, I just, to me right now, they're playing the best football. Melvin Ingram and Chris Jones just shut shit down. Yeah. The, the, that's just the end of the story. And offensively, Mahomes threw it to nine different guys. No one had over 100 yards. It balanced football with running it. Um, well, Mahomes threw for 30 times and they ran for 27. Mm-hmm. Like if the Chiefs do that consistently, you don't have a fucking prayer. Like it, it's over. And granted, I mean, they got their ass kicked by the Bucks in the Super Bowl, but Mahomes had a bad foot. I believe it was turf toe, a lot worse than what they let on initially. And I think four of the five offensive linemen were out. So if the Chiefs go into this healthy and they're playing physical football and they're doing what they do defensively, the best team in football. Yep, no doubt about it. And they're doing it with a bunch of different guys because – Clyde Edwards-Alaire left this game early, so it was Daryl Williams, it was Derek Gore. I mean, they're, they're just getting production out of guys, and this is why I always say you don't need to invest in running back. You have a good offensive line, you have good offensive playmakers or good offensive play callers and a good quarterback. You can get production out of just about anyone at that position. So yeah, and they have Chiefs have kind of proven me right there. And I don't know if it's time yet or it will be time eventually, but I'm ready to stick a fork in these Steelers, man. The Ben Roethlisberger oh, yeah. era is over with. Let's move on. I mean, you got it. they're going to be a team looking for a quarterback in the offseason for sure. Aaron Rodgers, baby. I could see it. I really could. We're not shocking. We're not shocking. All right. Uh, last game of the day here is the Vegas Raiders uh, beating the Denver Broncos 17 to 13. Mm. And somehow the Raiders somehow, somehow, some way still alive here. I, I, I give credit. I, I'm just going to give all the credit to Derek Carr. <laughs> I just, mm. I don't know if I should do that, but I'm gonna. And uh, he, he's been remarkable. Uh, 20 to 25, 200 yards, touchdown and a pick for Mr. Carr. And it helps that you get Drew Locke in this game. Uh, Cause Drew Locke was pretty garbage. 15 to 22, 153 yards. Um, and no touchdowns, no picks, but 
the Vegas was able to shut down the Broncos rushing attack, which is the, their bread and butter. They only had 18 yards on the ground. Um, that's not ideal. And they only had tried to run 16 times. So maybe that's an indictment on Pat Shermer, uh, the rest of the Denver's coaching staff. Um, but the Broncos could get nothing going in this game. And Vegas just was able to figure out a way to win. They're now eight and seven, very much relevant in the AFC wildcard uh, picture. Um, and if they were to find a way to win these two games, they're going to be in it. And I don't think they're very good, but they have a real chance to make it. I mean, if I'm Denver, uh, this game was brutal to watch. Just You watched yeah. Drew Locke play. It made you want to throw up. <laughs> it was bad from the get-go. Yeah. To me, th- th- there's no amount of draft picks that I'm not willing to trade to get a quarterback for this team right now. You have yeah. Portland Sutton, Jerry Judy, Noah Fant, Javante Williams. Your offensive line's in pretty decent shape. Your defense needs you to score points. This defense is built to play with the lead. Uh, another pass rusher would be nice for them, but they have over $40 million, I think closer to $50 million in cap space before any roster moves for 2022. This team needs to invest in the quarterback. This game's the epitome of why. This is a winnable game. You, you mm-hmm. should have won this game. There's no reason why you lost this game. And I feel like the Broncos have had too many of these games where they should have won and they ended up losing. And it's just inexcusable. You, you cannot keep on doing this. Josh Jacobs had 27 carries for 129 yards. At, at, at some point, you need a quarterback to answer the bell. Um, Denver scored 13 points in the second quarter. The only quarter they scored points in. Yep. <laughs> Inexcusable. Uh, you know, the Raiders scored seven in the second, third, or seven in the third, and three in the fourth. Yeah. It's just, yeah. I mean, I don't know. Uh, the Broncos will be for sale in the offseason. That's the big hot rumor. And mm. a group that's going to be led by Peyton Manning is expected to buy them. All right. So you, you'll probably know if that happens. Say goodbye to your Monday night Manning cast. Damn. Maybe Eli could just do the color then. <laughs> He'd be good at it. I, I, I like to see Eli do more. Agreed. I would love that. But, you know, we both liked Denver a lot more than they ended up doing the, the season. I think the quarterback it was one of these one of these teams that a quarterback really held them back. Um, them in Washington, if they both could land a QB next year, I expect them to be much better. So yeah. we'll see how that goes. But Matt Bishmel, I would say both of us didn't expect this show to go an hour and a half. <laughs> but here we are in these recap shows. Um, but I feel like we had a good show and was a good interaction. But we are not the only show going here under this life group umbrella. Do you want to tell the folks about the rest of them? Whoo! <laughs> Dong City. I know with the baseball lockout, we, we have two baseball shows. The first is Dong City with Henry Maldonado Jr. and Vince Mercandetti, Wednesday nights, 8 p.m. Eastern. I don't know if they're going this Wednesday with this. It, really, it's just nothingness in baseball. It's just yeah. a void. Um, if it's not fantasy related, there's not a whole lot to talk about. It's still a lot of free agents out there still, but you know, they're not talking again until after the new year. So, you know, I, I would imagine those guys are on hiatus until such news breaks. Then Thursday, we are back noon Pacific. Oh no, sorry. Noon mountain time, 11 AM Pacific standard time, mm-hmm. 1 PM central standard time and two o'clock, 2 PM Eastern standard time, all these time zones, all these wacky, crazy times. But Thursday, we'll be back with our betting lines, some a little bit of prop bet action, give you our predictions on who's going to cover, who's going to win, all, all the fun stuff in those games. So tune in on Thursday. 
Then on Sunday, our other baseball podcast with Felipe Melicio and Austin Sparrow. Like I said, I'm not including Sean anymore. I'm not sure if he's alive or dead, but <laughs> if, if, if he's not alive, our condolences. I'm just kidding. I know Sean's alive. Uh, <laughs> but uh, Felipe will be going on Sunday, the Total Basis podcast, breaking down all the fantasy baseball action. Um, he went live this past Sunday, a true warrior, when you think about it, going the day after Christmas. Because if you have kids... The last thing you want to do is anything on a Sunday. You just want to lay in bed all day because the shenanigans of opening presents and dealing with all that. No, thank you. Um, so catch Felipe and Austin on Sunday, total basis podcast, breaking down your fantasy news. And then Monday we have the step back with Jacob, Anthony Moses and Leon Tompkins and basketball life. They are going to be gushing over the bulls, big win over the Atlanta Hawks last night. And the Bulls just curb stomping everybody right now. It's good to be a Chicago Bulls fan. It's just enjoy the regular season basketball fans. But, um, and and then we come back on that Tuesday, Randy, to break down all the week 17 NFL action. Yes. So you're approaching New Year's day. It is getting to the end of the season and then it'll be playoff time. So uh, how crazy it's crazy how fast time has gone by it, but still a lot of things to be determined in this season. So, uh, be sure to tune in on Thursday as well because we're going to be talking about some bowl games in college football because it is uh, bowl season and the later in the bowl season we get, the more important they get. So we're going to talk about some of the bigger games happening uh, this upcoming weekend. So you're not going to want to miss that. Uh, we're incorporating more gambling. We're getting some positive reviews on that too. So we're going to keep that going as well. But um, Matt, before we go, I feel like I have to give a shout out because uh, I have wonderful people in my life. Yesterday I turned 30. I made it. Uh, I'm north of the 30 now. So uh, I was my, my wonderful fiance and her family and my family all coordinated behind my back to give me a wonderful surprise uh, last night. So I want to give them all a good shout out. I really appreciate it. And they all uh, help make life better and I, you know, make me feel loved. And I try to do that for everyone else too. So it's greatly appreciated and something that meant a lot to me to see everyone come out and, and make me feel that I actually do care about me. So that was nice. And I, I really, uh, and something I'm never going to forget. So if you're listening and you were there last night or you guys, all, whoever wished me a happy day, I, I, I really appreciate that. Well earned, Randy. Well earned. <laughs> a, a day in their 30s, man. It's only uphill from here. That's why I got the Henrik Lundqvist on, number 30, my, 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 my Henrik year. So we're, we're rocking it, man. Uh, it's going to be the best year yet. So thank you, everyone, for all that support. And we appreciate it as well. And we appreciate everyone checking us out today and being a part of our show because, you know, we do this and we love all the feedback and the participation in this as well. So, um, Matt, I'll see you on Thursday. We're going to do this again. Thank you guys for watching us on Facebook. Thank you guys for listening on the audio-only platforms. We will be back Thursday. Come check us out. Come hang out with us then. Until then. Be safe, be happy.